You're listening to the Outdoors is My Therapy podcast, where our mission is to help you to live your best life by connecting you with the outdoors. I'm Catherine Walton, and today I'm going to share with you some tips on how you can get started bushwalking. There have been constant questions flying around ever since COVID-19 came along and disrupted our lives, and Many people are seeking experiences in nature, so I just wanted to come in and answer some of these queries here on the podcast. But before we get started there, I've got a question for you. So during this episode, I'm going to be using the term bushwalking, but my question for you is, what's the difference between bushwalking and hiking? Okay, we're going to come back to that at the end of the episode. So stay tuned and we'll dive into that. So what equipment do you need to go for a bushwalk? The basic equipment for a short walk on a marked trail really is, well, it's pretty basic. You need a pair of boots or comfortable, sturdy, covered shoes. So you need to protect your feet and your ankles from the terrain, as well as giving yourself a little bit of snake bite protection, if, especially if you're walking in the Australian summer in the bush. You need to have a drink bottle or some other way of carrying water, perhaps a hydration pack, and some sun protection, a hat, perhaps some sunscreen or some sun-safe clothes. I really do like to see people taking some basic first aid with them. So the top of my list is always a snake bandage, but also your personal medical supplies. So if you might occasionally need to use an asthma spray, take it with you. If you have heart medication you sometimes need to take, take it with you. So it's there just in case. If the weather's particularly cold, take an extra layer of warm clothing with you. If it's damp, take a raincoat with you. That kind of makes sense. And if you're like me and you like to snack along the way, then take some nibblies with you. If you're going for a longer bushwalk or a more challenging walk, then really make sure that your shoes are well fitted And make sure that the socks you use are going to help protect you from blisters as well because you're going to be staying in those shoes for a lot longer. So make sure they're suitable for the terrain and for the climate. It's advisable to have a small backpack with you so that you can store all your snacks or your lunch, extra water, extra layers of clothing or your raincoat. You might want to take some maps with you as well. You might want to take a camera, perhaps your phone, and you might also have some um, devices like an EPIRB or um, a spot tracker or a Garmin InReach or something like that that you want to use just in case of an emergency and you don't have phone reception. Some people like to wear gaiters to protect their lower legs from snake bites and prickly plants as well. If you're going on an overnight bushwalk, as in you're going on a bushwalk and you're carrying your tent with you and you're sleeping somewhere for the night and then you're coming back again or or you're doing a multi-day bushwalk, 
then you'll need a really well-fitted backpack that's large enough to hold all the gear, all your supplies that you'll need for the time that you're gone. And that includes a shelter, such as a tent. You'll need to take all the food that you'll consume while you're gone. You'll need to take plenty of water because you'll have to have your drinking water, but also extra water for cooking and cleaning. If you're going to be gone for a while, you may need to organise another water source. So if there's a creek or a water hole that you can top up your water supplies, but you'll need a water purification system so that you can make sure that water is going to be safe to drink. A sleeping mat is a really good idea and a sleeping bag. You'll need some basic toiletry items a trowel and toilet paper, some clothes to sleep in so that you don't go to bed too sweaty or too dirty because those sleeping bags really shouldn't be washed too often. You'll need a stove and cooking equipment if you want to have a cooked meal, some maps and navigation equipment such as a compass or a really reliable GPS device. And as I mentioned before, some people like to take emergency communication equipment with them, especially if they're going to be out of phone range. Another question that people often ask is, how much water should I take with me on a walk? And really, this depends on how far you're going, how long you're going to be out there, how hot it is, the level of humidity, uh, whether you can get water along the way and how strenuous your walk is, as well as how much water you as an individual might consume. So the very general standard or recommendation is a minimum of two litres per day. And I actually think this is really, really low. In the Australian summer, where temperatures you know, can be quite high, uh, where I live, it can be quite dry, but even if you're walking in the tropics where it's very humid, you can need a lot more than two litres a day. So I generally rec- recommend that you take more than two litres a day and take a little bit extra just in case you end up staying out longer than you plan to. If you're planning to cook while you're out or, or clean up any of your cooking equipment, you may need to take extra water for that as well if you can't find a water source. So how much food should you take on a bushwalk? Well, this is a bit of a personal choice here. If you're going on a short walk, say less than an hour, you generally won't need to take any food unless you're planning to have a bit of a picnic or a snack along the way. And I do think that every walk is made all the more fun with a picnic along the way. So take some food that won't easily spoil or be squashed in your pack and have a think about how heavy your snacks or your food is and take with you a bag to carry your rubbish back out again. If you're going on a longer walk, so you might be missing a meal while you're gone, definitely take extra food for that and water as well. A very common question people ask is, where can I go bushwalking? Well, there are so many popular public walking spaces in Australia. 
There are regional parks or council parks. There are state reserves and forestry. There's national park. And there are also privately owned land holdings where you may pay a fee to enter and go for a walk. So where these places are in your area, you probably need to search the internet and contact your regional tourist information site or or centre. You can have a look on social media. There are so many different social media groups for bushwalking And there are also some internet-based forums. So I do suggest you do a good search and see what you can find in your own area. The Australian walking trails are often classified according to levels of difficulty, generally starting from Class 1, which is the easier type of walk, up to Class 5, which is more challenging. So most national parks trails are classified according to this classification system and it does make it easier for you to plan the right type of walk for you and for your group. So when you're doing your research about where to go bushwalking, you can check out whether it's got a classification and whether that's going to be suitable for you. So how much does it cost to go bushwalking? Well, most bushwalks in Australia are free and open to the public, but there are some parklands where you may have to buy a permit for vehicle entry or entry fee for a multi-day walk or fees for camping. So whether you're going to a free walk, and as I said, most of them are free to, to enter, Um, or whether you're paying an entry to go on a bushwalk. The only other costs involved are for the basic equipment that you might need, or perhaps you can borrow a backpack, perhaps you can borrow a drink bottle and a first aid kit, for example, until you know that this is something you definitely want to keep doing and you'd like to invest in your own equipment. Is it safe to go bushwalking alone? This is a question that comes up quite a lot and I hear it from men, but I probably hear it most often from women. So I personally think that walking solo can be a really great experience if you're properly prepared. So make sure that you do tell someone where you're planning to go and when you expect to be back and make sure that you let them know when you have arrived home safely. Take a little bit of extra care in preparing and packing and planning for your walk and take a little bit of extra water and food and make sure that you're self-sufficient with your first aid and medical supplies as well. Stick to the trails that are within your level of expertise so that you're not putting yourself in unnecessary danger or taking unnecessary risks. I do suggest that you take a phone with you but Don't rely on having reliable mobile coverage. Now, some apps and online maps do require an internet connection. And only last week, I was about to start a multi-day walk when someone else was finishing it. And he, he came off the trail looking quite confused. And he said he got a bit lost while he was on this walk. It was a four day walk. And he didn't think it was especially well signed. 
and that he was expecting that he'd have mobile coverage the whole way on this four-day walk. But in fact, he didn't have very much mobile coverage at all. So when he was looking at the map on his phone, it would just disappear. So, you know, you really do need to be prepared. If you can, download a map onto your phone beforehand or take a paper map. I really, really love paper maps. And practice using these apps. Practice using the mapping programs and practice reading the paper map before you go so you know how to use them and you're confident. You can use your phone's GPS to help you work out where you are, even if you don't have phone coverage. Um, So you will need to make sure that your phone stays charged. You can, if that's going to be an issue, you can take a battery bank of some kind with you and charge it along the way. So your phone's GPS uses a satellite system instead of your internet data. As long as you know how to turn that on, turn that function on and use it properly. I don't actually use many apps on my phone. I prefer to use my phone simply as a camera. And when I can occasionally get messages to or from my family along the way to let them know that I'm going okay. But I do always have some apps on my phone. I use Oryx Maps There's another app called GPS to SMS, which is an emergency, I guess, an emergency communication kind of an app. Um, And there's the Emergency Plus app. I do have a Garmin Edge device, which I have turned on tracking my route. And it also has maps on it so that I can see where I am and where I've got to go and if I've gone the wrong way or how much further it is to go. Um, so that's independent of my phone. And really, it, you know, it, it's, it's something that fortunately, most of the time I've been able to use it simply for keeping a record of where I've been. But it's definitely there. It's definitely useful to check if I'm on the right track. And as I said before, I do love my paper maps. I love to be able to fold them out and see the whole big picture of where I've been and where I'm going. A lot of people are asking about how they can meet up with other people to go bushwalking. You know, is there someone else who can show them the way or or teach them or accompany accompany them on a bushwalk? So I do suggest that you have a search around your community for a bushwalking club. This is a great way to get support as you learn to go bushwalking. So you'll be with a group, you'll have people who've been there before and done it, but you'll also have other newbies with you, which is, yeah, I I think it's just a great way to get into bushwalking. There are also Facebook groups and meetup groups that are really centred around bushwalking. You can also organise a professional guide. So there are some private enterprises around and even in some national parks, you'll find some rangers who can do some guided walks with you. Many communities have walking groups and organised activities. So you can find out about these at the tourist information centres as well as at national parks offices. 
You can also just strike up a conversation with people that you meet along the way as you're bushwalking. Say hello and ask them about the trail and you know what, what you might expect to find as you go further up and how much further it is and where else you can go bushwalking. You'll be really surprised at just how much information other people have who are really willing to share that with you. So this has been my really brief introduction on how to get started bushwalking. Really, you need to keep it quite simple to get started, but keep yourself safe and sensible. Don't take unnecessary risks. And as you grow into the hobby of bushwalking, you'll learn more and more about what's around, where you can do, as well as what you'd like to do more of. And as that happens, then you can begin to add any specialised gear to your kit that you might want to have. And now it's time for us to get back to that question that I asked you at the beginning of this episode. So I did use the term bushwalking throughout this episode, but what's the difference between bushwalking and hiking? Well, the answer really depends on who you ask. Apparently, bushwalking is an Australian term that means you're going on a walk through the bush or a natural environment in a similar way that in New Zealand, people talk about tramping as a long distance walk. Americans generally use the term hiking when they're referring to long walks, but then there are other terms with similar meanings or with the same meaning around the world, depending on who you ask or what dictionary you look up. So apart from bushwalking and hiking, we hear about trekking and backpacking, rambling, going walkabout and so on. I tend to use the phrase or the term bushwalk, but I do notice that sometimes I interchange that with hiking. And I personally don't really think there's a right or a, wa- a right or a wrong way of referring to our long distance walks or or even our short walks, but perhaps you're an avid fan of one phrase or the other. I'd really love to hear. Let me know. Are you a bushwalker? Are you a hiker? Or are you something else? I'll leave my contact details in the show notes. The Outdoors is My Therapy podcast takes you on a journey of discovery, learning how you can live your best life by connecting you with the outdoors. We guide you through the maze of wellness information and we give you evidence-based and practical strategies that will help you to improve your health, your happiness and your well-being when you spend time in nature and the great outdoors. I've been your host, Catherine Walton. I'm an accredited mental health social worker, a bushwalking guide, a mountain bike instructor, and I'm a family-focused outdoors adventurer. I'd love you to join me over on our Outdoors Is My Therapy Facebook page. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes as well. So until our next episode, get out there and enjoy your outdoor adventures.